My name is Dana Sparks. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. And welcome to the Emerald Football Podcast. I am Jack Butler, joined by Maverick Alec. Hello. And Sean Meadow. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. We are here to talk Oregon football after a victory over number seven Washington. We are sports reporters for the Daily Emerald. It is 5-10 on Tuesday. Uh, a lot has happened even in the couple days after the win over Washington, again, Ducks 30-27 to over the Huskies in overtime. Uh, a lot of storylines after the game could have pursued to, to talk about, to write about, but just immediately, you know, Maverick, from your perspective, what was the number one takeaway from that game? Um, that Oregon can win big games without Justin Herbert having a good, a good game. He had a lot of incompletions early on. Uh, once again, Dylan Mitchell was the only receiver that had a good game. Jalen Red did have possibly the catch of the year, but the passing game was kind of non-existent, but the, the defense and running game had a great game. Yeah, I mean, you look at Justin Herbert's performance against Stanford, and that was some lights-out passing, but against Washington, he wasn't, and he didn't have to. Oregon's run game really was what got them over that hump I think in the end and just big plays they were able to hold them off and the defense did well against Jake Browning and I think that was just a solid team performance and that's gonna carry them and they got lucky a little bit at that end with I seen the kicker Peyton Henry two timeouts used by Cristobal I mean doesn't get better than that for them yeah college kickers or reliable not at all but it was really like a, a redemption story in in multiple ways I mean simply in that they blew a game against then ranked number seven Stanford at home. So it was like, you know, almost the, you know, repeat. You have another opportunity. You rarely get that within the span of like two, three weeks. They said they had learned a lot from that and, and seems like they did. They certainly handled overtime in the end of that game way better than they did against Stanford. And obviously things were different, right? They weren't up like 24 to seven and, it was clear that once it went into overtime, Oregon had all the momentum. But, you know, C.J. Verdell, it's a guy that fumbled it against Stanford and didn't lose them the game. But, you know, I mean, he, he, he certainly was a guy that a lot of people maybe pointed to, blamed, and he got the game-winning touchdown. And, I, I, I mean, I don't know what the ramifications of this victory are yet. But I think some people have Oregon pegged as the favorite in the Pac-12, the favorite to win the North Division than probably the Pac-12 championship game since it seems like the North is a lot better than the South. Uh, but I was reading on ESPN and looking at some bowl projections, and one of them had Oregon going to the Rose Bowl, which would be quite something. I think a little earlier than pretty much everybody expected that would be happening under Cristobal. So is Oregon the favorite in the Pac-12? I think so right now, yes. I think that the South is looking really weak. USC might be the best team out there. Uh, I think it's Oregon's to throw away at this point. Winning out would, 
I think, put them in the Pac-12 championship right now. Oh, no. They lead, they need Stanford to lose or one would they, more. Okay, they would need Stanford to lose. And they but, play Washington, so that could be the one that does that. Yeah, but Stanford and Stanford has to go to Washington. Which, yeah, Oregon's a big Washington fan right now. Yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think they are favorites to the fakest to hit laugh there. I've ever heard, Sean. Really? Uh-huh. I'm tired. It was a Jimmy Fallon laugh. Oh, hot take. <laughs> Producer Ryan Wynn having a chuckle over there. <laughs> I, I think Oregon's the favorite to win the Pac-12. I'll put us back on track. For once, Maverick <laughs> For is once, the one on track. Oh, upset. Um, I think... Oregon, I mean, they honestly do need Washington to, to play well for the rest of the season. Then they'd have to take care of business. They are definitely favorites over UCLA. Washington's their toughest game for the rest of the season. They should have no problem with Arizona, and they should have uh, n- not really that much of a problem against ASU or Utah either. I think they, You don't think so? I think if they play their game, which they've been playing, they will have no problem. I think when they get in trouble is when they start playing outside – Oregon's comfort zone, which is uh, what, 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 yeah, running the ball. Okay, running the ball because they did See, seventeen more times against, uh, or they ran the ball seventeen more times than they threw it against Washington, which I thought was pretty surprising. Well, I, I mean, uh, C.J. Verdell, I think, was averaging what four yards a carry, and if you average four yards a carry, you win the game because you're getting a first down every three plays. <laughs> That's how math guaranteed. Three point eight, still three point eight yards per carry. That's a first down. Yeah, they didn't dominate that off that line by any means, but I, I don't know. I guess they were consistent enough. They certainly – I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it didn't seem like they lost too much yardage against Washington and a pretty good Washington front. Obviously, most of that Washington's defensive talent in the secondary, and uh, it didn't look like Oregon could really get it done just by uh, airing it out. So it was, even with all those injuries in the offensive line and now left tackle – Penny Sewell's out for approximately six weeks, which would be the, the rest of the regular season. But uh, it seems like, you know, Dallas Warmack also went down during that game. He's expected to be back, though. But they were still able to push around Washington for a while. And, I mean, kind of circling back to what we were saying about the Pac-12, uh, I think it's hard not to see them as the favorite just because of Stanford's schedule left and just how inconsistent Stanford's been so far. But at the same time, uh, Highest ranked team in the Pac-12 in the AP poll as well, at 12. Yeah, no, I think I that mean, speaks volumes. Yeah, and uh, I mean Washington you know, still has to go to uh, Pullman, which the Ducks have to do this weekend, and and Washington State's not bad. It doesn't. I don't know if they are a top 25 team since their schedule hasn't been too tough. Well, the AP poll says so. <laughs> Number 25. Right. So that's I, what I, I'm saying. I don't. <laughs> I I, I, don't, I, don't I doubt that. Oh, I, I get I'm your saying point. I doubt that. <laughs> totally misheard that. And but but that's also a really tough game. I mean, we'll get to it later with predictions. But it, that line has been fluctuating back and forth between who's favored in that in the game, the Oregon Wazoo game this weekend. And I think going to Utah, it's not going to be easy at all because it is really hard to win that line of scrimmage against Utah. They've never quite had this. If that Mark Helfrich team can beat it, win in Utah. <laughs> I mean, Herbert has success in Utah, that's for sure. But, like, if you can't, you know, that's a tough line of scrimmage to win. And granted, Utah doesn't usually have the skill guys to end up pulling out victories. But I'm not sure if – I think Oregon's the favorite. 
But I, I think the Pac-12 is almost like so jumbled up right now that it's that's hard hard to say. Where 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 would they where would they trip up? Is it is it at Pullman this weekend? Is it in is it in Utah at all? I mean, I th- or I think are they smooth? Sa- the are they smooth sailing until the, the civil after the Civil War? Well, I, mean, I think we'll have no problem in the Civil War. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I think it. I mean, it just depends on what Oregon team they get. If they get that team that showed up against San Jose State, Oregon will lose any of these games because that that was a very inefficient game by the offense, but. If they play their game, like I said, if they just run the ball and free Herbert up, which I, I was reading that, that they don't even attempt that many play-action passes, which is interesting based on the amount of times they run the ball. But if they just run through C.J. Verdell, and Verdell is obviously the guy now, yeah, th- very they, I think they will win at least the next th- five weeks. Tony Brooks-James should be back, though. I think that'll well, be— Well, he was back. Well, okay, yeah, you're right. He is back. So, I don't know. I I think I think CJ Verdell has really solidified that one spot. Um, I think Travis dies the two. Yeah, at this point, that's what it's looking like, and I think that's fine. That's that's working for Oregon, and they're gonna have to keep using that run game. And to answer your question that you proposed, Jack, I think Utah actually poses the bigger threat than Washington State right now, but not to. Put Washington State down in any means. I I think that is going to be a tough game. But Oregon's flying really high right now from that Washington game. It's going to be hard to bring them down at that from that. I think the Utah game might pose a bigger threat just because that's going to be later in the season, and it'll. I think that's right after the UCLA game. So there's different emotions there as well. So this Washington State game, I think a lot of us would agree. It's pro, you know obviously it. It's not an easy game. Vegas seems to think so. Uh, the the line currently, while it's fluctuated uh, between Oregon, uh, Pickham, and Washington State, it's currently Washington State two and a half, which at least around here seems to be surprising people. Is that surprising to you, to you guys? Like I, don't, I thought it was a little surprising. I thought Oregon would be favored by like three or something, but Washington two and a half is, seems, again, Tuesday – Tuesday evening, but what's the what's the over under? Sixty six and a half. Sixty six. That's a lot of points. Yeah. So why why well, like why why Vegas looks at this game and why why is Washington State have two and a half? I think uh, Washington State's a uh, tendency to only throw the ball and never run the ball, <laughs> and Oregon's pass defense has, although they have been very good at getting turnovers, they have given up a lot of touchdowns. Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore are not the tallest corners, but I think they, after having experience against Washington State last year, I think that will help them a lot this year, and I think they'll do better than people expect. I feel like the 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 Oregon secondary, well, like like you said, passing yards per game, two hundred thirty nine, like that's eleventh in the Pac twelve, only ahead of Oregon State, but I thought they did pretty well against Washington's passing offense. I mean, it. Washington's yeah, not the... I think the, Jake Browning's not that good, though. Yeah, they're not the greatest, and they've had some questions at wide receiver, too. And But, you know, it was a pretty middle-of-the-road passing game. Obviously, that's nothing like what they're going to see against Washington State. But at the same time, I was... I thought I thought there were a lot of coverage sacks against against Washington, and, and I thought it was pretty a pretty good performance from the secondary overall. So... Uh, I well, mean, the big question, honestly, is 
Washington State plays with four wide receivers on the field most of the time. Uh, is that are the Ducks going to put another safety out there? Ugo's going to be yeah. playing in the slot, obviously for Pickett the third and, corner. Pickett and Holland. Yeah, so uh, or 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 is Khalif Halassi or Hockey Woods going to get more time on the field? It depends, oh, yeah. but I mean it's just interesting because I don't think the Ducks have faced four wide receivers more than three times this year. Yeah, this will be by far the best passing offense they've faced. Stanford's is pretty good, and we we've talked about that quite a bit. But I I, I don't know. I, I think obviously since they're not going to run it at all, guys like Jelks and Hollins are going to have to step up a little bit they've been pretty good this year especially hollands but they're gonna have to get after how much does jordan scott play since they don't really run i don't know that's a good question we might see drayton carlberg maybe some siani kava i don't know i mean that's who came in when yeah jordan scott maybe maybe gary oh some gary baker gary baker gus cumberlander yeah he got in there, I think, a couple snap or two. Yeah, Gus Cumberland's kind of outside, though, or like edge-ish. Still, I don't know. Why not use four edge rushers? Yeah, I mean, NASCAR, <laughs> NASCAR package. Lamar yeah. could be getting at the quarterback. Hey, I'm all down for that. I, I uh, Jim Levitt is definitely creative enough to figure out how to face Mike Leach. Yeah. Plus, having Jim Mastro on staff, who was on the Washington State offensive staff last year, yeah. I think and should Joe help. Yeah. Two years ago. Well, Salve on the defense, but I'm saying ago, right. Mastro knows how the offense works. Inside information. Yeah. Boom. Insider trading. Boom. Yeah. Well, how? I mean, this is the this is also the first like true road test. I mean, not as if yeah, Berkeley yeah, but we some... thought Cal was good two weeks ago. What? We thought Cal was no. good two three weeks ago. I mean, they were okay. They were just barely ranked in the AP. Had I didn't Sean, think they were so. Yeah, and in the exact yeah, same yeah, thing, Maverick. I don't think that they were definitely not a top 25 team. Well, after last At, week, yeah. Well, oh, didn't see that coming. But this is also really the first like tough road test, I would argue, because Berkeley is not a tough place to play at the moment, and Pullman is. Like Pullman's never been easy to go to, even when they weren't anything good in the, I don't know, who was their quarterback, like Jeff Toole? Dude, I remember Jeff Toole, the Buffalo Bill great. Did he play for the Bills? Yeah, he started for the he Bills. He started for the Bills? Yeah. Oh, my. Luke Falk. Luke Falk was very good. Yeah. Um, uh, if you want to go concussed. back in the day, Drew Bledsoe went there. Yeah, I know that. So His did. son is there now. Yeah. Well I, well, I read that they're debating on for game day being Ryan Leaf or um, Steve Gleason. Dude. Both Washington State guys. Ryan Leaf, that'd be interesting. Yeah. But Steve Gleason, guys. too. Probably the most first, famous first person time, with game ALS. Day in, game day in Pullman, too, so they're going to be yeah. hyped. Tickets were pretty expensive, I thought. So yeah, I was, was going to go up. It was $350 for a ticket. Holy jeez. That place is going to be rocking. They, uh, I think Darren Rovell tweeted, it's the third most expensive ticket you can buy this year. Number one is Ohio State-Michigan this year. Number two was Notre Dame-Michigan at the beginning of the year, and then it's this, I think. That's incredible. Yeah. All right. Keys to winning for Oregon. Uh, for me, they? for me, it's it's uh, run game. Just CJ Verdell. Okay. Oregon's offense, and then obviously, I mean, we all know the passing game for Washington State. That's, I mean, defense. We figured that already. I think that's been pretty much covered. I don't think you have to talk much about that. But the offense, it's going to be the run game. CJ Verdell with a big game against Washington should carry over against Washington State. I think Travis Dye stepped up well. I think it's going to have to be. 
a lot of that. And, you know, Justin Herbert's been able to get going on the ground as well. So we'll see how they do on the rush. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing for Oregon is to make sure they do not allow Washington State to get those sneaky runs in. I think Oregon's been hurt in the in the past couple of years by Washington State's running game late in the game. They I, uh, Jamal Morrow, I think, was their running back last year, and now they have a new running back. That That's my thing is just uh, limit those, like, what, five rushing attempts in the game. Do not let them be for over 15 yards. And then I, I think... Oregon should have no problem winning this game. Are we giving score predictions? Just, a, just after this. Okay. Done. Done? It's all about the red zone. It's all about who does what in the red zone, specifically the Oregon defense, because Washington State leads the Pac-12. They score on 86%, like touchdowns. They score touchdowns on 86% of their red zone trips. So if Oregon can hold them to field goals or even better, turnovers, what have you, that's the key. Oregon's pretty good in the red zone. I would say for Washington State, the key is holding Oregon on third down because Oregon has the best third down conversion percentage in the Pac-12. Boom. Um, Oregon, 38. Washington State, 33. Okay, that's, that's so you're taking the over. Um, I'm going Oregon... 41 and Washington State 32. I don't even know how you get 32, but I'm going with it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I have Oregon 35, Washington State 24. Defensive battle. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, join us next week when we recap this game. And who do they play after this? <laughs> Arizona. Arizona. On on the road, back to back. We After this... Next week, we will recap what happens up in Pullman and what we think will go down in the desert. Uh, For more Oregon sports content, Oregon football content, whatever you want, uh, go to dailyemerald.com where you can read our work. You can also check out more podcasts from the Emerald Podcast Network on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's also a nice, neat, clean little bar soundcloud bar on the side of our website for maverick and sean this is jack Butler. thank you for listening